0: Welcome to the Crash the Pond Podcast. We are back. It is a Monday, February 14th edition of the pod. It is a Valentine's Day edition of the podcast. Jake, I get a layup this time around. I don't have to make up a holiday. Or sorry, I mean, I don't have to research a holiday. Um, you know, as our little bit to open the, the segment here. So, happy Valentine's Day, Jake. How, how have you spent your day of love? Uh,
1: very lovely. Roses are red, violets are blue. The Ducks lost to the Kraken, but we love
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that?
1: <laughs> I legitimately came up with that a second ago.
0: There's no way I don't believe
1: that. 100%, 100%. Just came to me. Legit, okay. did not think that think about that beforehand. You know, sometimes okay. things just come to you.
0: Okay. Wow. I am I'm, I'm almost shell-shocked. I'm so shell shocked. I almost don't know what to say. Of course, that's not true. I have things to say. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Jake because, you know, he, he wanted to make some plans tonight for Valentine's day in his own personal life. And I told him I couldn't do it. And he said, okay, fine. We'll make it work Monday night. So appreciate you, Jake. This, yeah. this, this is my, this is my appreciation to you. My, my Valentine's day gift to you.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell Monica that. Don't worry. <laughs> hopefully
0: uh, hopefully that helps ease uh, ease the tensions there There, there is absolutely no tension <laughs> okay well so we've got plenty to discuss today uh, we've got some trades to talk about don't involve the Ducks but they they just might we don't know yet and we've got some comments from Dallas Akins. we've got a game last Friday to talk about and then of course your questions at the end of the show so I think we've got more than enough here, Jake, to, to get a show out of this. I think we, we, we've done more with less. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, 100%. We've got oh, plenty. Okay, so I want to start here. Maybe I'm a little biased. Actually, I'm 100% biased, but let's start here. Tyler Toffoli traded today. Montreal Canadiens trade him to the Calgary Flames. And the return, the return here is, I think, what could be relevant for the Anaheim Ducks. They get a first-round pick, fifth-round pick, a prospect, and a throw-in player, and so I guess the question is yeah. now, that's the return on a guy in Tyler Toffoli who's an excellent winger, who's got two years left on his deal. How does that affect, in your mind, the potential price tag, the potential return on one Ricard Raquel who is a rental?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the, the biggest question here. It's tough, right? Because you're you're comparing a guy with term to a guy that doesn't. Um, Tyler Foley, I believe has two years left on his contract after this one. So the, or the Calgary flames are getting some cost certainty there. They're getting a guy that's locked up. Whereas a team training for Ricardo Raquel is essentially getting him for this stretch run. So while it's not a complete, uh, comparison, I think that you can at least figure out in some ways what the market is going to be at. If Tyler Toffoli got a first, a fifth, uh, I mean, from what I could tell, Emil Heineman is a pretty good prospect. Not like your top tier, top level, but kind of in the someone that could become a bottom tier NHL-er. Someone probably
0: along the lines of what? Like a Bo Grew, if we had to so, make it a comparison to the the Ducks uh, prospect yeah. group? Yeah, so would, the, the thing with Heinemann, I think, is he's a floor type of prospect. So yeah. maybe so like Grew a, is the correct comp there. Yeah, and, and so if that's what uh, Toffoli was
1: able to get, you would think that kind of uh, Ricard Raquel, especially if the Ducks retain salary, I think the Ducks could easily get a first for him. I think that's kind of what this tells me. And that's kind of where I was at coming into all this. Uh, funny enough, looking at the Tyler Foley trade when he was traded to the Canucks, when he got a second and a very good prospect. And so the Ducks could probably either look at getting a second and a very good prospect or get a first. And, and so they have a couple of different routes to go here. I think at the end of the day, this does set the market in in some fashion for the Ducks. It, because it's not a complete comparable, it's not a complete market-setting deal but it does kind of start setting the price for wingers in this trade deadline.
0: Yeah. So I think in a weird way, doesn't this feel almost kind of like a light return for a guy that has two years left at a very team friendly deal. I would say a team friendly deal. No, I I think the main reason is age. I I think it's funny because term can be
1: one of two things, right? Term can either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending. And it's kind, of like, it's kind of like a beauty in the eye of the
0: beholder. I don't think depends. that the term is a negative value for the Calgary Flames, though, because I think that they actually benefit from the certainty a little bit when you consider that they're going to lose certain pieces of their core this offseason. I mean, yep. they, might, they might lose Johnny Goodrow. So having Toffoli in the fold at a good price for two more years, I, think, I don't know if that's a negative to them.
1: It depends on how they view aging curves. It depends on a lot of things. So we don't necessarily know that, but I think that you're probably in the right there. Um, I I think the fact that they were able to get a first and a good prospect and a fifth round pick for a guy that is uh, going to be 30 is a really good return for the Montreal Canadiens. And I think that that is about, like a first round pick is what I would have expected for Ricard Raquel. And that's kind of where this looks like it's trending.
0: Yeah, I I think that that's fair. I thought that they might have been able to get more, but supposedly, uh, they really vow they really uh, think highly of Heinemann, and so maybe that's that's why this looks that, might look weird to us, but looks great to them type. Well, thing. I mean that's kind of like the whole Jack Eichel trade all right, over again. It's right? It's Alex Tuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Alex.
1: Tuck. It's Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs.
0: Right. Exactly. The,
1: the, the uh, Buffalo Sabres really value Peyton Krebs. They viewed him in, the sim, in a similar category to a Trevor egress to a Jamie Drysdale. And even though both you and I look at that and kind of really question that decision making and that scouting, th- at the end of the day, value is as much a, or value is basically where that team sets it at. And if that's what they value, that's what they value. Right. And, and it's really tough to kind of work your way around that. I think picks are sometimes easier to net, to value because a pick's a pick. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a preset value determination. And so that's, that's the question mark here. But I think at the end of the day to getting, this is good news for ducks fans because it shows that he should be able to get a first round pick.
0: Yeah. So again, it's, I think it's very difficult to draw comparisons between these, these two cases, because again, like we've been saying over and over to has the term Raquel does not, but we expected before this trade went down that the average return on a rental winger of raquel's ilk is a first round pick and this trade just doesn't seem to get us off it doesn't that change that like it, exactly it, like, like like here's the here, if the return here, had been lower then yeah. i think that's where maybe you start asking questions
1: yeah exactly and that's kind of where i go go on this is that if to had gotten a first and that was it then oh boy the Ducks are in for a rough one, rough one. But even um, then,
0: even then you could make the argument that, well, the term might be a negative value. Yeah. F- on Toffoli. But yes. I see what and you're it, saying. I mean, I, I think it's a fair thought, though.
1: Yeah. And, and so I, I think Ricardo Raquel. I mean, I think he either gets you a first or a really good prospect. And you're going to have to pick between the two. And oh, you, don't, I think- you don't think it's both
0: anymore. I Oh, I never thought it was really like I, think, would, I think you thought he could get a first and like a middling prospect.
1: Yeah, or second and a good prospect.
0: Okay, okay. I yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think there is the potential. And I mean, screw it. Why not? Let's just get into to fun trade rumor category. Oh boy. Here we go. And just because I've been uh trying to will this trade into existence, I guess, for a year <laughs> now. Ricardo Kell at half retained for Nick Ritchie and Nick Robertson.
0: Well, okay, so Nick Ritchie was just on waivers and cleared, I Correct.
1: Think. They're trying to get his salary out of there. So it's a mm-hmm. negative value deal to them at this point. They're trying to do whatever they can to get rid of Nick Ritchie's deal.
0: Okay. So Nick Ritchie isn't having that great of a season,
1: by no, the way. No, he is
0: not. He's not. But Oh,
1: this is not me trying to get Nick Ritchie because I think he's underrated. This it- is me... Essentially taking a salary dump back to uh, increase the return because not only are the Ducks going to be retaining salary, they're also going to be taking money back to make it work. And Richie, I think, has an extra year on his deal. The Ducks cap wise aren't going to be in any issues next year. Right. Um, Yeah. He signed at one point three seven five. So essentially, if you retain half of um, half of Raquel's deal, it almost essentially wipes out Nick Richie's contract. So right. it's essentially a like for like uh, contract swap in terms of cap it this season.
0: Yeah. So I I think that the big takeaway from the Toffoli trade is that it's it's good news for the Ducks. All in all, yes. All yes. in all, I think it's good news. No, or, or at least it's just not bad news. <laughs> yeah. No. You, no thought. No thoughts on my potential trade. Um. I, well, I guess I've just heard it. I've heard you say it so many times that my reaction is kind of. I, I added I
1: added the new wrinkle this time though of the they uh, taking ten, on us. Well, not retention. only the retention, not only the retention, but taking a salary back to make it work even easier to get more value
0: back in addition to the retaining. I, I think of the you really like Robertson. Oh, I do. Yeah, I I don't really have an opinion on him, not because I think he's good or bad, just because I haven't really spent a ton of time like researching him. But I will take your word for it. I mean, if the if the Ducks got out with that, I think that the the positive is that you have a guy in Nick Ritchie. I'm going in Ritchie first just to get him out of the way. Who I mean is an upgrade right now in your in your bottom six mm-hmm. and he's not old. And then with Robertson, a prospect who's basically right NHL ready. So yeah. and who can who can be a contributor uh, as opposed to a first round pick in the twenties plus a guy who might never play. So I think it's a fine return. D- yep. do the Leafs do that deal though? Uh I mean, supposedly they're trying to get creative to get rid of Nick Nick Richie is what the reports <laughs> from Friedman are saying. Oh, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna help our case, Jake, for being pro Richie. Is that a team is actively trying to get creative to get rid of You him. know,
1: at this point, I'm not necessarily even trying to be on the stand Nick Richie no, yeah. uh,
0: wagon. This is me understanding that he has negative value and taking advantage of it. Right, exactly. And so I mean the the funny thing is that I think that if you come out of this with Richie and Robertson and that they're both what you expect them to be going into next season, I mean, you could make the case that the Ducks are a better team because Robertson's going to get better. And if Richie just kind of stays who he is, uh, as much as I know that you like Ricard Raquel and that a lot of our listeners do, I think he's kind of, I don't want to say he's past his prime i think he's kind of in it but he's just a bit of a flawed player and he's not a guy that you really want to rely upon like the ducks do and, and this, to, this is something we'll talk about later in the show by the way yeah
1: and, and and to be honest with ricard raquel and i've mentioned this a bunch here i i mean i think he's a really good guy i i think you've seen him grow up yeah, you've seen him loves come, dogs. Go- go from being a young guy on this team kind of essentially I can remember watching him making his uh first couple games in the du- or playing his first couple dang games for the Ducks yeah. and to now being essentially going into his UFA status and I think for his own purpose I would love to see him get dealt for his own sake give mm. him a, put him on a team where he can play with Austin Matthews and put up all the points because at the end of the day I think there was a really good article I think it was Jack Fraser put it out Jay Fresh on elite prospects last year um kind of dialing in on ricardo kell and looking at kind of what's gone on with him and kind of breaking it down to the fact of he's someone that really requires someone to feed him the puck he's not necessarily someone that can go and get his own shot and create his own chances for himself that's not necessarily his game i feel like it may have been at one point in time but it's kind of gone away and that's why his greatest years came when uh, ryan getzloff were feeding him the puck well and Yes. Having Ryan Getzloff helps, but you also have to be able to have a good enough shot to take advantage of it. And I think that's what he did. And so I think that if you put him on a team with higher level talent, whether that be the Toronto Maple Leafs, whether that be maybe like the Florida Panthers, whether that be even the Calgary Flames. I think he's a guy that can really take advantage of those roles with better players and really take and finish the puck. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to benefit from that by getting a better deal for his long term setup.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that, and I think that back in those days where he was scoring at a higher rate, he was also just a better all around player. He was just yeah. a better, he was a better play driver. Like now, he's a negative value defensively, whereas back then, much more of a two way force, which is really important uh, when you're trying to score. He was also scoring at a much higher rate, just yep. shooting percentage wise. And I really, th- I really have now come to the conclusion that those couple years. Really, kind of, I think warped the perception of Ricard Raquel. Like he's a great player. I think he's really skilled, but like you said, he's not he's not a go-to guy. He's a guy that if you put him in the right situation, can thrive. And I think that, like, and again, just to your point, we want to see him in that. I don't think the Ducks are that for him. I think as good as as good and as talented as as Trevor Zegers is right now, I don't know if he's quite at that step in his career where he can just carry a winger like Ricard Raquel. And, and get him get him those goals. So yeah, exactly. Hopefully, we're not breaking too many hearts, too many Ricard Raquel fan hearts. Sorry, but, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, we're trying. We're trying our best here. Um, but yeah. So then, outside of that, I mean, anything else on the Toffoli trade? Anything else on the trade market?
1: Um, I mean, I'm really curious to see kind of what happens. There's, it seems like there's been a lot of rumors picking up. First off, about uh, Ben Chirac. Um, I feel like that's going to be a very interesting deal to see what happens. Cause if he's able to get a first round pick, then Manson gets more than that. Definitely. Um, mainly due to the fact of Manson is right-handed shot versus Sherratt being left-handed shot. Manson's, uh, is Manson. I think he's younger than Sherratt maybe, but I feel like he just reputation. I think reputation wise, he has a little bit of a better reputation, um, Mm -hmm. than, uh, than Sherratt does. And so I think that basically whatever Sherratt gets, Manson's going to be able to uh, get more than that for the Ducks. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's a fascinating one. And I also think John Klingberg is another one. Austin Price brings up a good point, though. How long is Manson going to be out for? Do you think the Manson injury makes it so that they can't trade him right now?
0: So I have this theory right now on injuries. Do you want to hear my theory? I know what you're going to say. Go for it. I think that the theories, the theories, the injuries right now, are strategically uh guys are being strategically kept out right i mean i think that that's i mean reportedly that's what the duck or the canadians are doing with ben charat right he got hurt over the weekend but the reporting is that if there were a playoff game tomorrow he would play and i think with josh manson maybe it's not quite to that level maybe he legitimately is hurt and maybe the ducks aren't fully decided that they're moving on from him like the canadians are with charat but I think that they are keeping the long game in mind with that, and they're not rushing him back.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, for Manson, it's a finger injury, right? Because if that, it
0: was, because I mean, if it's a finger in the playoffs, guys play through much worse all the they, time. Guy,
1: guys play with broken fingers; they take them, tape them together. That's just kind of what happens. So I don't. I think if a tra- if a team were looking at Manson, they would trade for him right now, regardless of if he's injured or not, because it's a finger injury, right? Right. I, I do think though that
0: I don't know if I necessarily agree with the holding him out for this distinct well, no, purpose. I, I, no no no. Like I'm not saying that they're not like I'm not saying that they're keeping him out just for this. Like I think they would rather have him play. I mm-hmm. I think that, that it's better for everyone if he's playing Agreed. hockey. But I also think that when they're injured, when there's a possibility of re injury that they are erring on the side of caution. I don't yeah. want anyone to to misinterpret what I what I'm saying as they're holding him out when he's not actually hurt. I think he's legitimately hurt. And I feel like we're talking about Mark Stone right now, but I but, but I think the ducks are just playing it smart. They're being yeah. they're playing it safe. 100%. Which is what I would do too. Like it's yeah. it's why would you why would you risk him getting seriously hurt when you have the potential of, of getting back a solid trade return.
1: Yep, exactly. So I I think kind of getting back to your original question here, which was any other trade thoughts, things like that. It sounds like there's a lot of teams that are kind of starting to to get things moving. It almost feels like mid-February, people feel like it's trade deadline time, so they're starting to get things going instead of it being, uh, because what is it? It's March 21st this year when usually it is like in a week or two. Yeah. And so it seems like uh, teams are starting to kind of get that rolling now. So I'm curious to see where these bigger pieces go. And I'm actually kind of hoping that they get dealt earlier than later, so that come deadline time, it kind of makes the Ducks this more, uh, this bigger fish, essentially, from the seller's market perspective.
0: Right. And I think one other kind of interesting tidbit with uh, with the the Canadians trade is just that there was, I think Elliot Friedman mentioned this on 32 Thoughts, that at one point, Ben Chirac may have also been included in that deal, that it could have been both guys, both of their big yeah. fish. And so I'm curious if maybe the Ducks would try something like that. And I know that's oh, something you've they talked should. about before. They should. Yeah. Well, um, de-
1: I mean, depending on the team, but they should try to do it if a team wants it because then you can maximize the return.
0: Right, exactly. So a lot still left to be decided there. Yeah. But the first shoe has dropped, you could say. Although yep. I don't know if anyone really expected Tyler Toffoli to get traded when the season started.
1: No. And uh, maybe one other thing, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. I'm trying to think if this came out before. I don't think that this came out after our last podcast. Um, the Pat Verbeek comments essentially stating that he's going to kind of try to reassess some things, see where the team's at, talk to the agents. And he's basically like, if they're not signed, though, they're moved. And he's like, I, I'm he not. Did he say g- that? Did yes. he say that, though?
0: Okay. All right. I'm going to find the quote now. Uh, you go yeah. on, though. <laughs> well, my takeaway from that, those Pat Verbeek comments was more so that he is just very non committal. Yes. And, and, and that's I think the, the takeaway is just that he isn't fully committed slash bought in to anything right now with the Ducks. Like he didn't say, no, we're not moving this guy or no, um, you know, we're absolutely moving this guy. Like, I think it was just a very neutral tone, which is probably what he should have right now. Why would he come in and just immediately draw a line in the sand? So I think it's kind of wise of him to do that.
1: Yep. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Let's see. Where is this quote at? Um, uh, Why is OC register like this? Uh, Is it going to let me do it? Uh, I am really fumbling right now. Uh, Go on, Felix, though. I'm about to sneeze, so this is not really working. There we go. There we go. Found it. You're going to have to deal with free agents one way or another. This is from Pat Verbeek referring to pending unrestricted free agents such as Campus Lintholm, Josh Manson, and Ricardo Kell. Either make the decisions to sign them, or I don't want anyone walking out the door for nothing.
0: Well, there you go. So, so that wasn't that, that wasn't
1: a that wasn't a non committal statement. That was a straight up I'm either
0: they're either getting signed or I'm moving them. Yeah, I guess maybe my my thought on the non committal may have come from the comments on Akins. Yeah. Which I found to be kind of fascinating because he said something to the effect of, you know, we're all professionals here that, you know, Dallas understands the situation like I do. You want that full quote right now while I, yeah, while I let's, have it open? let's give it so we're not misrepresenting anyone here. I'm
1: just reevaluating the whole thing Verbeek said of Akins and, and the coaching staff. Those decisions will be made when the season's over. There's lots of time for that. I've more got more pressing needs. We all have a job to do. Dallas is a professional. He'll do his job. I'm not worried about that. And then added, we'll sit down and talk at some point.
0: And th- yeah, so not 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 a ringing endorsement, I would say. Just, just kind of a, yeah, we'll get there. Yep. So I, I guess, I, and I, okay. I should just, I should just quickly say that, you know, we shouldn't take too much away from these comments. Like they are just kind of filler for the most nope. part. And he had a very similar thing about all the AGMs.
1: Um, they're, they're all, or they're all doing what they've been doing in the past. I'll assess that part too, and we'll have to see
0: how this all turns out. Yep, yep. So on that note, I think that we. Do you want to? Do you want to get into the game that we saw last Friday, or do you want to talk about? Uh, some comments from Dallas Akins today. You know, this is we, a, a we Felix have a, we, we have a break coming up in a few minutes, so choose wisely. I'll, l- I'll let you pick whichever one you want. Your choice. Okay. Well I've got a bone to pick. I've got a I, I've got a bit of a bit of an issue here. Dallas Akins today uh spoke after practice to the media and I think made some very fair comments, right? That for the ducks to you know, in the stretch that they're coming up in, right, where they're playing a lot of uh, divisional opponents, they're going to have to play better in all facets of the game. And, and this is what he said, goaltending, penalty killing, power play. He did, however, stress the fact that they're going to need scoring from all of their lines, but especially the lines that they expect scoring from, which hearing st- something like that, it just gives me flashbacks to Bob Murray blaming The veteran forwards every offseason blaming gets and and perry even though they were all over a point per game in the playoffs right exactly and so i mean this is what he said I, i don't want to misquote him but he said we have to be on top of everything we're going to have to have great goaltending we're going to have to have some defensemen really step up we're going to have to get scoring from all of our lines but especially from the ones we expect it from we're going to have to stay out of the penalty box. We're going to have to continue to score on our power play. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess they're just going to have to be perfect. Um, we're, we've been trying to check as many boxes as we can, but the margin for error is very, very low right now. And I thought that what was interesting, and that wasn't really that actually wasn't quoted in this article from Elliot Tiford, but that uh, we got word of in the in the video that the Ducks posted is he talked about how the Ducks don't have the depth right now where yeah. they're at in their rebuild to afford a slip, to afford, uh, you know, to have maybe a bigger margin for error. And this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about with the game against the Kraken and some of the data that you've compiled. But it's that, yes, I do fundamentally, I think Dallas Ickens isn't wrong here. The, the, the Anaheim Ducks have to play better in all areas of the game for them to make the playoffs. Like like they haven't been playing well uh, really since Christmas. That being said, though, a lot of a lot of these wounds are self-inflicted yes they don't have the depth but dallas Aikens isn't doing them any favors by essentially choosing to have two fourth lines and also by playing those lines particularly the grant Lundstrom Silverberg line more than his line in zegras milano raquel like we saw on friday against seattle so it's a bit of it's a bit of two sides of the coin right on one hand yes he's right they don't have this huge margin for error they 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 can't they need to be better but also noteworthy that he didn't mention that coaching has to be better and i feel like especially on friday and we'll get into this more but i think that was a coaching loss i think that oh, really, yeah, i think that coaching is a huge detriment right now for this team tell me i'm wrong no you're not you're you're not at all okay. and so i mean here's the thing the
1: seattle game's a weird one where overall the grant lundstrom silverberg line that was probably one of the best games they've had in a long time from a 5 on 5 right. perspective which, which is kind of ironic cuz we're we're no I know so it's important yeah. to kind of point that out here right that they were actually good and so it's important to give them credit if we're gonna harp on them so much but I think if you're gonna uh, you're gonna gripe about the depth of this team on one hand and then on the other hand go out and play your third line which third lines are depth lines more yes. more minutes than one of your uh best uh, essentially one of your best offensive lines in zegres or zegres milano raquel almost said Steele instead of raquel that is not, yeah. Um, but you you can't have it both ways. If mm-hmm. you're gonna if you're gonna gripe about the the depth of your team and say it's not deep enough, then you should be playing your top players more. Like it, it's very hypocritical that statement in terms of in comparison to actually what he's doing on the ice. Well, there's thi- also well well let me just let me just step in here real quick. I I think that well no I the, said anything, but okay you were about to. Um, <laughs> yes, but it, I I think it's him almost in some ways being beholden to these line role situations that he kind of does where the third line has to be his matchup line that goes up against the other team defensively. And so even if the depth isn't there, he's still going to put them out there in those situations because that's what he thinks he has to do mm-hmm. instead of understanding, Hey, I'm just saying my depth's not good. Why am I doing this then? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's that mis- there's that disconnect there that really is is hampering this team.
0: I agree, and I think a you know another layer to this with Akins kind of talking about how they need more scoring, and they need it from the guys they expect it from Max Contois Didn't play on Friday. Good and point. He wasn't hurt to to our knowledge, to the public knowledge, he wasn't uh, unable to play. He wasn't in COVID protocol. Uh, he was scratched healthy scratched and why was that exactly i mean again this is the line that that's been parroted by the media and by the the broadcast is that you know they they want more out of him that he's got to he's got to bring more in in all in all three zones and it's just like the funny thing is did di, did you guys not watch max Contois play last year mm-hmm. because this is he's actually been better like statistically max Contois has been better this year at s- defensively than he was last year. But, and we've said this so many times in the show, because the puck isn't going in for re- as much, it just colors the rest of the evaluation when it comes to him, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, by and large, and I've had some issues with him, but but by and large, he's been a better player this season, a more complete player. Yeah, he he's definitely still a flawed player. And yeah, I, I but think he's, he's wanna... far less flawed this season, far less.
1: Yeah, he, he's made a big step defensively, offensively actually from a product from a both production obviously and a on ice impact perspective with generating expected goal is individual expected goals there has been a fall off for him slightly but we're talking about going from 0.8 to 0.6 individual expected goals for uh per 60 so a 0.2 drop off which
0: isn't not nothing yeah yeah
1: not not insignificant And that's i think that was per micah uh, mccurdy's model and it's not insignificant but
0: I would take that with an improvement defensively well, yeah, and he's actually is, a more valuable player now because he's yeah, not taking as much value off defensively.
1: Well, and here's the thing, that accounts I think over the the minutes that he's played, that 0.8 to 0.6 equates to about 4.3 expected goals versus point three or 3.8ish, something around the, there. Right. So, we're talking about nearly about half an expected goal difference. That's not the equivalent of like what people think it is, where he would be a ten to fifteen goal scorer right now if everything was going in. I it's people it's I mean it's kinda sadly exactly like what we talked about with Ricard Raquel, where these high, unsustainably or unsustainably high shooting percentages are making people think that these guys are elite goal scorers. When in reality, no one ever is going to be shooting twenty or twenty-five percent. That that's yeah. just not the reality of the situation. Uh, even the one of the highest uh, shooting percentage players in the history of the game, Steven Stamkos, he's at like seventeen percent. Right. And that's one of the most lethal shooters. In NHL history, basically, or modern day history, I should say. Yeah. Um. And, and so Max Comtois just isn't going to be up there. That's not realistically who he is. It. It like if he was Steven Stamkos, I would be thrilled. But he's not. And he shot. Yeah. So he shot seventeen <laughs> percent last year.
0: Yeah. That that's just not a I, I, where I he's going to uh, be. I think. this is a moment where we have to give Jake his flowers because you were you were saying these same things last season as he was scoring. You you know mm-hmm. you know saying that this might not be sustainable. Yeah, and, and I even thought out, that maybe you should trade him in the summer while his value was high. Well, now where do you think his value is at trade wise? Yeah, very it's not, low. It's, it's not as high. That's no, for sure.
1: No, so it, it's just one of those things where it. The perspective of a lot of people, and I think that's what we try to do the most here, and that's I think one of the things I. I try to do a lot and I know you do is almost set proper expectations so people can understand if this is actually who this player is versus just almost in some ways buying into the hype of what essentially the way he's talked about. Oh yeah. And I think that that's a a very critical thing that we try to do here. So yeah,
0: our, our goal is to help our listeners see the game for what is actually happening and what will likely happen after, as opposed to just, writing the narratives writing whatever uh is being said at that particular time being less of a prisoner of the moment that's what we're yeah. trying to do getting back um, to
1: the original point of this yeah. uh dallas Aikens leaving offense uh off the off the board and so even yeah. though while we're saying this of max comtois isn't as uh uh offensively talented as a lot of people thought dude i think he's season, better than Derek grant
0: just, yes just gonna put that out there
1: and i think he's better than nick delorier and, I, and like, I don't think those are controversial opinions either. I sure hope not.
0: And I don't think this is a
1: situation where people can say, well, it's a third-line role, it's a fourth-line role, what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. Max Comtois has been fine defensively. Like, give me the guy that has offensive talent in those 10 to 15 minutes over the guy that doesn't any, any time of day. And it's not only that, but it's also the fact that uh, Nick DeLoria and Derek Grant, are just, they're just negative value players.
0: Yeah. And, and Max Comtois isn't that. Well, I mean, it, look at look at how Dallas Aikens managed his game on Friday, and again, trying not to dive too much into it, so we can have something to talk about post break. But right, the 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 Zegers line gets scored against twice in the first period, and that completely alters mm-hmm. and how he deploys we, them the rest of the game. We should be honest
1: here, right? Because people might uh, call us out on this. That line w- did not look good on the second goal.
0: No, like, Ricardo no. McCall
1: and Trevor Zegers both got beat, but, but it happens. But, but the thing it is, happens. as a
0: coach, you have to be able to collect yourself and say, "Okay, that was bad, but let me recall the bigger picture with this line and how good they've been, and understand that it's the first period of a game." Exactly, like it's it's a small sample within a small sample within a small sample. Like and you, these you, are you, and and
1: these are one of your most uh, this is one of your most lethal offensive lines. And in order to get back
0: into this game, you're gonna need them to get going. Exactly. So it, it's it, like as an offensively challenged team, as a team that doesn't have a big margin for error as a team that doesn't quite yet have the depth where they're at in the rebuild, just quoting Dallas Aikens here, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to stop playing your best offensive line because of two goals against in the first period, right? Especially mm-hmm. when the alternative is a line in Delorié, Silverberg, Lundestrom that just bleeds offense against, um, So I I just, you know, listening to Dallas Aikens, it's this weird dichotomy where on one hand, yeah, some things he's saying, a lot of things he's saying make sense. Everyone agrees the Ducks need to be better. But on the other hand, maybe he's just not saying it, probably just isn't saying it, but it just feels like he doesn't seem to understand or acknowledge his role in all of this and how he is really hampering this team's chances of winning these games. Look, we're under no illusions. The Ducks right now per money pocket about 30% chance to make the playoffs. Like their playoff hopes are dwindling. And mm-hmm. they've fallen that, out of a playoff position from a uh, points per spending, uh, points yeah, percentage perspective. And the Pacific division is only getting tougher, right? Mm-hmm. Tyler Toffoli entered the chat. Jack Eichel is going to be playing on Wednesday against the Colorado Avalanche. Like this is only going to be a, a, a tougher hill to climb. And so when you're a team like the ducks, you really can't get these things wrong because you basically don't have a chance if you do.
1: Well, it's I think it's just a, a very easy thing. It, it's an easy thing to pick up. Optimizing your lineup, it's what you should be doing. It's what you it, yeah. it's it, you can only do so much with the roster you have, so you
0: need to get the most out of them, and, right. and that's what a good coach has to do. And I think that we are not proposing like this radical adjustment, you know. because of course I think people are curious. Okay, well, so you've told me what's wrong. Now, how do you make it right? And so what I would say is, first off, just play your best players. The majority of the game, it's actually quite simple. Um, Instead of trying to have this egalitarian uh, environment where you have your four lines playing as much one as much as the other, or playing your third line more than the others, just play your best players. Play the guys that are going to get you goals. Goals are what win games. Unless, unless I'm missing something here. Um, I mean, if you look at, I mean, you know, allow me this moment, but. Since Marty St. Louis has become the coach for the Canadians, he's done some things that I'm a fan of, right? And one of them is on the power play where he basically just plays the first unit the entire two minutes, right? Because I think he understands, okay, these are the guys who give me the best chance. I don't need to play games and try to give I don't need to give participation trophies. And I think that that's what Dallas Akins could learn from. Just play your best guys. Like it's obvious who the best guys are. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I'm done. Okay. I'm yeah. done. I,
1: I let you have it. I let you have it. <laughs> All right. We'll 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 get into more of this, though, as we kind of jump into the cracking game, even though we've already talked about it a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's, it's time for a word from our sponsor. So, roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. <laughs> Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion, which is tonight... Um, if you're listening and watching us live, uh, this, uh, this Valentine's day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped the leaders in men's below the waist grooming, uh, with our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com and use code CTP for 20% off plus free shipping so the holidays went by so quickly did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job the performance package 4.0 from manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life the number one product in this package is the lawnmower 4.0 this electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and get this The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate balls. It even has 4,000K LED spotlights, so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. So, Felix, tell
0: us a little little bit about the Weed Whacker, though. Yeah, so this package also includes the Weed Whacker. It's a nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, their Shed Travel Bag, and anti-shaving boxer briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably uh jake you know the weed whacker it's not so much as a big of a deal for me although i i highly value it but i think for you some nose hairs maybe some ear hairs no way to go no no ear hair just nose hair oh okay sorry didn't mean to didn't mean to do that Just putting that on me just putting that on me
1: uh (laughs) but so to complete the perfect package for your package are liquid formulations like crop preserver Baldier and crop crop reviver ball toner Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys, and stay cool all day with toner to keep you feeling your best all day and night. These formulations will also have your balls smelling like a king on the big day. And don't forget to sm- uh, don't forget to smell good not only around your balls but all over. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped refined cologne with compliment- uh will complement your collection with smell perfection. Uh, and Manscaped created their product for a night just like this. Yes, tonight, Valentine's Day. Tonight, and we'll and we'll make your valentine's day date and hopefully if for those of you that use manscaped uh and have uh, used our promo code and had the date uh date last night if you're listening to this after valentine's day they say wow great set of balls you have there So you can go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP. That's uh, Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CTP. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. I hope everyone uh, had a great Valentine's Day. If you're listening to us tomorrow as compared to today, I hope everyone tonight watch,
0: listening live has had a great Valentine's Day and is enjoying it. <laughs> that just broke me. There you go. <laughs> that just shattered me. Well, yeah, I will say this. Uh, if you had a great Valentine's Day experience and you used a Manscaped product uh, thanks to our code, let us know. Tweet at us. I want to hear this. <laughs> I want to hear the feedback. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving you, you on. don't moving just tag on. Felix. No need to tag me. <laughs> wow, attack at Crash the Pond. This is a team effort. Yeah, okay. there you go. CJ Let, needs to see it. Let's uh, let's talk about the hockey game at Honda Center yeah. that happened on Friday. So the Ducks lose to the Seattle Kraken, and can we just say the Kraken aren't good? Right? We we agree with this. We we agree with this. Uh, like I don't like know. They're a they're a perfectly mediocre team.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. They're a perfectly mediocre team that also has
0: had horrible goaltending for most of the year and that's what's going on. Yeah, like they're not maybe they're not as bad as I'm portraying them here, but they are not. I mean,
1: they're basically where the ducks are from an expected goals four percentage perspective.
0: Right, but just minus that talent up front. Minus the
1: talent up front and also awful goaltending for the most part. Right. So I thought that the I thought that the Ducks should have won this game. Oh, they one hundred percent should have. So, expected goals throughout the game were three point two one at five on
0: five, uh, to one point four. Like this was the Ducks' game to lose, right? Exactly, and I think that you know it it started off on the right foot on the wrong foot, sorry, uh, right away because Max Coltois getting scratched, you know, for kind of unknown reasons, uh, and with the Ducks, I think that you know, I mean, at one point they're they're leading three to two in the second period. Ricard Raquel gets on the board. And then they give up two unanswered goals and, and that's the game. And you know, the really from the third period and maybe even within the second period onward, it just felt like the ducks kind of stopped playing. Like they, they, they just flatlined. And this is something that we've seen th- them do in these games where they're leading or where it's a close game. They just kind of stop attacking. They stop playing that up tempo style that does make them successful when they are rolling. And I just think that how long can this keep up where Dallas Akins has the ducks playing this way playing not to lose uh, before they just, they just bow out of the playoffs on their own because they're good. They're good at getting into the game and getting a lead. It's just that their strategy once they get there and we've talked about on this show before, don't get me wrong. I'm sorry if we sound like broken records right now, but this is really, again, the influence of coaching. It's really hard to win when you invite the other team back into the game. Yep, and you can see up on the screen
1: now is the uh, expected goal kind of running totals uh, for both the Ducks in blue and Seattle in orange from uh, Evolving Hockey. And you can kind of see the the third period is kind of this dashed line right here. And you can see the amount of expected goals the Ducks generated in that third period in comparison to the rest of the game is significantly lower. And this is kind of what we talk about in such a... It can really kind of show exactly what we talk about when we say they flatline is that you look at the amount of chances, the quality of chances, the number of shots, everything like that. I mean, even from scrolling up to just course four, you can see from a pure shot attempt perspective, they don't really generate a whole lot. And this is kind of exactly the strategy it seems like Dallas Aikens has with this team is that especially when this team is tied. It seems like when this team is tied, this really becomes a factor. I guess when they're up also, it becomes a thing. When they're down, he kind of lets guys go, let them try to get chances because you have to. But when they're tied and up, his strategy is to essentially just have the Ducks receive the game and really try to limit. And granted, to be fair, the Ducks didn't allow a whole lot from Seattle in that third period. But this is a strategy that's essentially saying, hey, I don't want to allow many chances against, and I don't want us to allow get many chances for, because that opens us up. So I don't want to lose this game. I'm not trying to win this game. Right. And the issue with that is, at the end of the day, all it takes is one shot to, to go in against. One opportunity. It, there you go. After yesterday. Just just throwing that out there. Um and that's what happened. Seattle ended up getting a chance off a bad breakdown by the Ducks, and it ended up going in the back of the Ducks' net, and that's all she wrote. I would much rather take a Ducks team that is wide open in the third period. Maybe they still allow that goal against and don't get the goal four, but at least they're trying to win the game instead of
0: trying well, not to lose. Go out swinging. I think. Yeah. And you don't have to play this crazy high event style. No. You just have to just not con- completely sit back. Continue to play the way that
1: brought you to this point. Right, like exactly. This, it, like the Ducks played a fantastic first two periods. You look at this, and you look at the amount of quality of chances that they generated in those first two periods. This was a great game for the Ducks, and it was sullied by Dallas Akins essentially throwing the reins on everybody. And well, and, and, and I mean, it, it's just it kind of goes to show that this conversation I feel like that happens around Dallas Akins from time to time, especially when it comes to the Trevor Zegers conversation from a national media of. Well, you got to compliment him for for allowing him to have this right. creativity. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes to show that that's not necessarily the case. It's it's, it's well, it, it's a it, just it, a very
0: it, it's a very marginal point. It isn't like, it like it, it's it's the right take and it's also not the right take all at the same time. So I think it's the right take in that if if the claim is about he hasn't you know prevented him from trying cool moves in games, then it's like no, he hasn't. But that's the end. That's the end of the conversation. He also has yet
1: to and this is kind of where I fall on this a lot, is that my biggest frustration with Dallas Akins this season. And now granted, to be fair, he's a guy going after or trying to, to keep his job. Yeah, because he get doesn't a new know if he'll be back next year. He doesn't even but, know where
0: he'll be coaching in the NHL next season.
1: But this is supposedly a season that was about development. <laughs> Yeah. And what has he done to
0: try to develop Trevor egress? Well, here's and I thing. don't. Here's the thing, Jake: asking a guy on his on an expiring deal to be more concerned with development than winning games—kind of conflicting uh, That's incentives. Fair. There. Fair point. Fair point. No, but I, I'm not saying that to push back against you. I'm just no, 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 no. But it's a fair point. I, I think that even though Dallas Akins would say that, yeah, you know, we're we're trying to teach these guys lessons on the fly. In, competitive, in a competitive environment and they have to earn it, I also think that it's hard when you know in the back of your head that you're trying to win every single game no matter what. And this uh, is, I guess, maybe some
1: of the issue uh, issues with having an expiring coach Yeah. Um, in a te- in a rebuilding year.
0: Here's another kind of subplot from that game, which, by the way, does not take anything away from what we're saying, in my opinion, is that John Gibson did not have a great game. No, he uh, didn't. I mean, GSAX wise, he was at negative one point eight two, so he ex- he allowed more goals than you would have expected based on the types yeah. of shots he faced.
1: I I think one thing is, it, GSAX in this game maybe in some ways shows the flaws with it in that it can't sense pre-shot movement. Right. That's fair. And, and so there were some royal road passes, but I still think that first goal. Yes, it's a it goes across the royal road but it's going such a far distance. Well, he also that he ended should, up on he, the
0: ground just out yeah, of nowhere, <laughs> but,
1: but he should be able to stop that puck. It's Such a bad angle from Donato. The pucks going such a long distance that he should be able to track and move with it and be able to make that save. Now, granted the other, uh, two of the other goals that were the quick cross ice passes. Those are a little bit of a different story. Um, so if you want to nitpick that type of stuff, sure, maybe he wasn't negative 1.82, but I still think he probably should have maybe only allowed three goals instead of four. Yeah.
0: I, I don't think he was horrendous by any means. No. Uh, I I think that he didn't have his best night, but that's not to say that he was the um, reason they lost either.
1: One other thing about this game before uh, we move on from it, if there, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about how everything, I guess, came back to that Delorier fight?
0: Is it time? Is it time? Is it time to have this conversation? Yeah, You're go just, for it. I think I have you speechless for the first no. I'm I, I, the floor is yours. Look, I know you have a lot to say. I, I love the ESPN Plus broadcast. I do. I, I enjoy it. It's a breath of fresh air. It's what hockey needs right now. Is just for it to be fun. For it to be laid back. But. There's just, I'm not going to stop evaluating. I'm not going to stop critiquing despite all of that, right? You don't just get a free pass because you're fun. And the amount of times that they brought up the DeLoree fight from the first period onward after it happened, it's like, yeah, I get it. It was a great fight. A lot of punches were thrown. A lot of of knuckle to helmet action. (laughs) I I get all of that. I'm happy you said that because I was about to. Yeah, like it was great. It was entertaining. Energy, energy and all that. And then of course there was a goal right after. But the amount of times that they brought it up, that they showed highlights of it, it just took away, it took away from the game. It really did. And I understand that they're they're trying to sell a, a product. I understand that they're going to rope in more casual fans that way. But there is a diminishing return and I I really thought that it took away from the storytelling of the game. Uh, and what was the thing that Kevin Weeks kept saying? Was it oh boy or oh no? Oh no. I think it's oh no. Yeah. The oh no has got to go. The no more. I mean, the oh, he just, yeah, oh, it was no. oh no. Yeah. <laughs> he Like just the, the yelling out oh no. And then, you know, I thought that Leah Hextall didn't have her best night at the office. So it was just not the best performance from ESPN+. Plus. But again, I, I appreciate what they're doing. I still am I'm pro ESPN+. Plus. Pro Weeks, Pro Hextall, but it was just not the best night at the office for yep. the crew. Uh, I mean, get, you getting, think? getting player names wrongs is like a big one for me, and it kept happening. Anyway, I'm done. Uh, what do you think? Sonny Milano made his return to the Ducks lineup. We haven't talked about him yet. Yeah, so I, I think that the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from Milano's return is that he returned. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, the, just the fact that that due to the problematic nature of his injury, the fact the unpredictability of concussions, we don't know if he was actually concussed, but we can kind of assume that assume. Yeah. I I think that it's really a huge positive that he was able to come back. And, you know, I, I don't think he showed a ton. Uh, I, he didn't get to play a whole lot because of Dallas Akins, but it's a huge positive that he was back in the lineup. Uh, really happy for him.
1: Yep, same. I mean, he's. I mean, you and I have both said this for a bit now. He's one of the Ducks' best forwards. Yeah, like he's been one of their most impactful, one of their best. Like Trevor Zegers is not where he's at without Sonny Milano.
0: I I think we should even you know go further and say he's been one of their best players. Like just just bar none, he's been one of their best guys. And uh, I'm very fascinated to see what they're gonna do with him long term. I think that he's worked his way into the core. He is one of the core guys now moving Mm -hmm. forward. And you got to do whatever you can to to hold on to him. I think one thing that we should kind of quickly touch on, I don't know if it's worth uh, talking about a bunch, but the ducks are missing Josh Manson and you've got a Mahura Fowler pairing, which, you know, Mahura look kind of rough. I mean, there, there was the goal where it, I think he turned it over eh, twice.
1: That one's that, that goal against is kind of weird. Cause it hit the rough skate.
0: Okay. So he a rem- so free he- pass.
1: Well, no, he rims it free around pass. the board. He rims it around the board, and it's going to get to Henrique, and it hits the ref skate. It's not a free pass, but it's a situation where it's not yeah. necessarily a turnover. It catches yeah. a, it catches a skate, and it's a bounce. It happens. Yeah,
0: but all things considered, I, I agree. Do al- though I, I do also want to say this: if we're talking about the blue line, uh, and this is going to shock people, so prepare yourself mentally. Maybe a couple breaths. Do whatever you've got to do. I thought that was maybe Jamie Drysdale's best game as a duck. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, the the stretch passes notably. I mean, he was, he was getting to his own blue line and then just hitting guys in stride over and over. And I thought that he wasn't forcing, you know, when he was bringing it up the ice, he wasn't forcing just lugging all the way down in his own, ignoring better passing options. He was, he seemed to figure out the balance between when to carry it and when to pass it. And I mean, he, he led, I mean, the the first goal that the Ducks scored, it was his stretch pass that set it up. Now, of course you would have never, never known that from the broadcast because they brought it back to the fight instead of the great stretch pass. But I thought that Drysdale had a really good game. And I thought that in that game, he kind of showed you what he can be, which is a guy who's going to help you get the puck in your own zone and get it up to the other side of the ice and get guys into scoring positions in a hurry. And that's really exciting if you're a Ducks fan. I think. Yep, agreed. So, I hope that this gets noted. I hope that, that people take notice of what I just said. I'm not a hater. I can point out. I can give a man his flowers when need be. <laughs> there you go, Lou. Uh, anything else from the game before we move on to questions? Uh, I, just fun to see a hockey game again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. How many? How how long was it before uh you know before Ele- that 11, game? 11 days. Yeah, so it was a, it was a bit of time and I mean now they're going to come in fast and furious with all these road games, but it was just fun to have a
1: game. I actually think there's a a pretty big break between games still. No, there's a they have a back-to-back this week. They have a back-back to this week and then there's a pretty big break. Oh. lol. yeah. So, they they don't come that fast and furious. I think they're making up games uh here, let's just very quickly look. Uh yeah, they play so they play 3 over the next little bit. Uh, eh, they have a bunch actually. So yeah, they play yeah. Calgary Calgary Edmonton just, then in Vancouver, then 2 days off and they're San Jose. Okay. Yeah, I was wrong. Fine. I was wrong. Um All right, want to get some questions? Yep. Or anything else. Oh, the only other thing was I compiled some data um just out of curiosity to see kind of where the Ducks sat in terms of expected goals 4 percentage in the third period or expected goals 4 per 60 in the third period, things like that. So after kind of just running a couple numbers, kind of uh, compiling some data from natural statric, they set up about 2.18 expected goals for per 60. And throughout the entirety of games, so including that third period, um, they are at 2.47 per natural statric or something mm-hmm. in that range. So they drop from essentially their overall numbers to the third period from about 2.4 to about 2.2. But that overall number already includes. The 2.2. So that kind of goes to show how much uh, they kind of fall off in terms of creating offense in the third period and how
0: it's kind of a strategic element. I guess my question, my follow-up to your research would be how much worse or better or whatever, how does that f- compare to other teams in the league? That That's something I don't know.
1: That's a question I have. This was this <laughs> took me longer than I expected to just get the ducks at. It's not
0: very easy. Because all teams nope. experience a drop when they're leading. Yes, at least, exactly. At least historically.
1: Well, I'm curious to see how all teams in the third period are. Are teams right. more open typically? Or are they more closed off? I, that I'm not quite sure about, but I, I at least you can at least see that the Ducks do fall off from an offensive standpoint in the third period typically.
0: Yeah, like we're not just making this up. <laughs> yeah. So there, There's numbers. Yep.
1: All right. So let's get into some questions. So per usual, we'll start with Discord. Lewis has something in here, so I will save that until the end of this podcast per usual, but shaken wing said, do the ducks call up Zellweger this year after his WHL season? So I'll take this one quick. Um, issue there is Everett are very good. And so they are going to easily, uh, it seems like make the playoffs and those playoffs start in April. And then if they end up winning the WHL playoffs, that would go until about may and the Memorial cups in June. So, That all has to, he, his WHL has season has to end, um, for him to get any time in the AHL or NHL this year. So more likely than not, that's not going to happen. I foresee Everett based on how they're playing to do really well in the WHL playoffs. And they're probably going to outlast the ducks. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible it like upsets happen. They could lose in the first round and then he can go to the goals. Like it's possible, but it's not as if that it's a like tried and true thing that, that the WHL season's going to end. Um, Jeremy asks if the ducks trade Lindholm, Manson, and Rick Heller any combination of the three that confirms a rebuild. My question is with Gibson, not wanting to rebuild. If those guys are traded,
0: does he ask for a trade maybe in the off season? Ah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that, I think that he saw what's possible this year. And there's an, they're still going to be, like, the Ducks aren't just going to tank their entire team. Uh, I don't it's think three, so. It's three players. And, right. and I think
1: and I think Pat Verbeek probably understands this, and he's probably going to try to get back players that will help them.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So I so, I, I, I. don't think so. No, I don't either. Uh, Kempafu asks, uh, assuming Manson waves, uh, what do you think the Ducks get from Toronto for Manson plus Raquel, both half retained?
0: Oh, so both in the same trade? Yeah. <laughs> That's a question for you. This this is your moment. Well, they both should get you at least a first. The issue is the Leafs don't
1: have a first, right, this year? Uh, Let's check. I don't believe they have a first this season. And let's even see, if they dude. do, it's a late first. I mean, I think that for sure gets you. No, they do. N-
0: they have all their firsts. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think that you could potentially easily get, like, Nick Robertson or Rodion Amirov out of there. For if you're giving them
0: both, I of think those that. Guys. Do you think though that it's as simple as just take whatever they would both get and then just add those two together, or is it just the components individually get better? Like how does that work? So uh, so is it like so? Okay, so you would assume Manson gets a first, Raquel gets a first. Is it as simple as two firsts, or is it a first and then maybe a premium prospect plus a good prospect? Like you. That making sense.
1: Yeah, I I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's it's just a value perspective, right? I think it's just adding up both their values to that deal. I don't yeah. think it's a situation where it's like a two for or, or the Ducks get more in return cuz they're giving them both. Um right. but I think that you are able to maybe get a more premium asset out of that. So maybe it's like a second or a third in Nick Robertson. Right. And you weren't kind of necessarily gonna get or get Nick Robertson for either of those guys by themselves without taking money back. Um So even though my deal earlier, that was kind of contingent upon taking Nick Ritchie back and things like that, which Mm -hmm. I think regardless, you're going to have to do if you're in a deal with the Leafs. So, I mean, that's also a part of it. So who knows? I'm not really quite sure. I don't know if Manson is necessarily going to
0: waive for the Leafs. Um, Yeah. Well, now he's going to waive for Edmonton, right? Oh, yeah. That big news. Dave Manson on the coaching staff. Yeah. His dad's there. You would think that he would probably
1: waive. He has what? Got a 10 team, no trade list
0: yeah so hot actually Murray
1: special yeah um all right, uh, Tenacious G85 asks: This is more an ice hockey for idiots guide for me. How much influence does GM have, G- or do- does a GM have over head coach in terms of style of play, use of players, etc.? Will we see Verbeek put an end to some of the questionable use of players and their ice time playing for overtime, etc.? Uh, et for me, they are uh, head coach induced problems, and assumed we would be stuck with them until Verbeek can bring in his person who has the same hockey
0: philosophy. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that it, it is a bit situational. It depends on the GM and the coach, but I think that coaches are allowed to kind of coach for the most part, they're brought in to do that. And the GM is is there to give them players t- to enact whatever vision that they have for the team. Um, I do think that there is of course communication with between the GM and the coach, of course, and on who to use, who's going, who's not going, uh, but I, I think it's not quite as linear as, oh, okay, now you have a new GM. Now things are going to completely change, uh, no, it, yeah. a, a, as we're seeing with the dust. Well, and I think the way to
1: kind of look at this in some ways is most of the time the GMs are highly involved, right, in the process to hire a coach. And so you are hearing the coaches bid at essentially how they want to run the team, what type of style they want to play. Right. And so that would mesh up with the GM's view on the game. We're in a weird situation where Verbeek has inherited a coach, and we don't know essentially if their views line up or if they don't. As for the lineups, I think that coaches and GM's have a lot of conversations but I think the way the lineup is built is at the end of the day, a coach's decision, a GM can have some influence with them, but I think you're right. They let him coach roster decisions are coaches or are, are a GM decision, waving yep. guys, things like that. Yep. And, and so I would imagine though, if a coach is going to scratch a higher profile player, that's something that goes through the GM, the GM gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there we go. So we got a couple questions from Twitter. So let's get to those. So let's hit this one first. This game from our good friend, Tony, um, who has said question for the pod in spirit of Valentine's day. Who does Felix love more? Drysdale, Lundestrom or Lindholm. And then in in parentheses, he somehow hates them
0: all. (laughs) Uh, Well, assuming it means like which player I think is the best or is going to be the best. I think it's pretty clearly Jamie Drysdale, right? Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, I think Lindholm. I think Lindholm is probably, I mean, he has to be better than what he's shown this season. I think if you look at him historically, he's been better, but he is kind of starting to get a little bit past that, that prime or, or exiting it. And so I, you know, and then Lundestrom is basically, you know, like tops out as a third line center. So yeah, it's Jamie Drysdale. I don't think yep. it's close. By the way, Manson
1: has a 12 team, no trade list. Uh, SJ Hawking put that in our Twitch chat <laughs> and he's right there. My bad. Uh, Trevor Zegras, at Zegris Trevor, uh, <laughs> asked, Hey, Jake, three questions, two hockey, one personal. What would your mock trade for chicken be, and what would your mock trade for DeBrincat be? DeBrincat, I honestly have no idea. chicken yeah. I would do Lundestrom. Lundestrom, let's see. I would do Lundestrom, Perot, and
0: a first. Okay. Okay. Thoughts? Pretty- um, I mean, I, that that doesn't seem too bad for Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> that seems like a good deal for the Ducks, as yeah. much as I like Perot. I, I could be too
1: soft, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know it, depends it, on, uh, it depends on the value perspective of Isaac Lundestrom, right? R- well, yeah, it depends how the Coyotes view these players individually. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, that would be a good trade for the Ducks. Yep. And
1: who do you want the Ducks to get the most this off and who is the most realistic? I know Verbeek said in an interview that he will be active this off season and get some good veterans on the young guys' lines. Um, I don't yeah. honestly have a good idea. I, I think we're gonna need to kind of see where things fall. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest person to signing phase.
0: so well, especially where the Ducks are at in their in their window. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's they're not quite there yet. Yep. Final question, what's is what is your guys favorite flavor of ice cream? Ooh. Well, I've said this before, but Tillamook ice cream makes a uh makes a flavor called chocolate mudslide. I think it's what it's called. Uh it is amazing and addicting and I need to cut back. But that is my favorite flavor. It's basically uh, Til- just chocolate on chocolate on chocolate.
1: I don't know if they still make it because I can't find it. But at one point in time, Tillamook made a Stumptown cold brew coffee or cold brew uh, ice cream. Uh-huh. It was so good.
0: Okay. Okay. So, uh,
1: Daniel Jacobson, your, not your worst take. Thanks, Daniel Jacobson said. Question for the pod: Have not heard this ask since for beak hiring. Do you believe the Ducks will finally draft players from Russia? And then with Eichel's return uh, Wednesday, do you think Beek would have pulled the trigger on an Eichel deal if he was the GM at the time?
0: Well, the Ducks have drafted Russians recently. Artem Galimov. One. One, yeah. That's uh, it. I, I was wondering why you were just holding up a finger there. They've yeah, drafted well. one well, skater okay, but it's very, the last but 20 it, years. But this, but this is in recent history, though. I'm giving more weight to the recent history. But, yeah, I would expect, I mean, if you look at the Russian... Uh, contingents in Tampa Bay and we've seen in Detroit, uh, I would say that, yeah, they'll just be more open. Uh, I mean, look, Bob Murray's is, is Bob Murray and he's gone. So I would expect, I would expect them to be more open.
1: Yep. All right, so time for the Twitch set. So for those of you on YouTube, yes, go to youtube.com slash Crash Spawn, where you can find us there. If you want to watch the video version of this podcast, see any of the charts, things like that, go there. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell to be notified when any of these videos go up. Or listen. Or if you're listening to our favorite podcast service, you can find us each and every Monday night at 8 p.m. Yes, even on Valentine's Day.
0: Yeah. 8
1: p.m. Um, at twitch.tv slash Crash Spawn, where you can help support this show. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month, and it helps support the show more than you can imagine. You get free or uh, special emotes in the chat, a special banner next to your name, and it helps support the show more than you can imagine. You can be just like uh, Lockdown Late Night, who uh, resubscribed for 28 months and said, keep it strong, boys. Um, we also had, and I'm just going to throw this out there to see if you can guess, uh, Lewis Louis uh, resubbed. How many months
0: do you think Lewis has been a sub of ours? Oh, gosh. 40-something? 41 months. 41. Okay. Nice. Goat. Legend. This is nearly four years. Yeah? Yeah. We're ready to graduate. Wow. (laughs) We're in our senior year. (laughs) Hey, we can be super seniors, though. We can, there we, we go. Can, we can fail this year. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I mean, the Ducks basically failed
0: the last couple years. Yeah. So we we get we get a couple super senior years. I think. What are
1: each of your predictions for the top three in the Pacific at the end of the year? Any Pacific and uh, any Pacific team make a wild card or both from Central? That's from Austin Price, five twenty nine.
0: Yeah, that's a fun one. I think Calgary wins the division. I do too. Yeah, I like I I I think uh, that trade ve- is so good for them. The well, I think trade. Vegas Vegas losing Mark Stone.
1: I I know a lot of people. It almost are gonna, cancels
0: out Eichel, right?
1: Yeah, like people hand ring over it saying, "Oh, of course they're they're just gonna get the LTI relief." And it's like, are you guys miss? Are you missing the fact that they're not gonna have Mark Stone now for this Retron? Like, this is a very important player. This is a very good player. And I think a lot of people forget that aspect of it, that they're yeah. missing that player now yeah, for the rest but of it. Jake, and sure, and but sure.
0: Jake, people are stupid. Come on. You know this.
1: Well, and sure, like, they're going to now get him for the, the playoffs if he doesn't make a return before then. And they're not going to be cap compliant and all that stuff. But it's like, whatever. Like, the players don't get paid in the playoffs. That's the whole purpose of it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No, uh I think uh Calgary wins wins out. I do think Vegas is going to be second though. I yeah. think that it seems pretty clear. I think the open question is is third place cuz to me it's a two horse race and maybe this is uh Ducks fans are going to like hearing this, but I think it's between Edmonton and LA uh for third place. Could yeah, I think the, I think the I think
1: the Oilers take it.
0: Yeah, I I don't have a ton of faith in in the Kings to to get third. Um so I I would say that especially with at some point, you would think that the Evander Kane effect in with the Oilers. I don't know, haven't kept kept up completely with them and how it's worked out. But you're, you would imagine that that's going to be really big for well, them. Well, they're they also just
1: due for some positive aggression.
0: Yeah, and so I I would say Oilers in third. So Flames first, Knights second, and then uh, the Oilers in third. Yeah, and do you think any uh, Pacific team gets a wild card spot? Ooh, that is a that is a a trick question because. We have to reveal how we think about the ducks. I think that I think it's possible. Like I don't I don't think it's crazy. I, I said it recently in our Crash the Pond article that I think the ducks are gonna make it still. Yeah. Uh, so, so there I'll, you go. I'll, I'll just go with the yes. I'll yeah. go with the yes. Same. I'll do that also. Yeah. Why not? It it has to be the ducks though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So anyway, continue.
1: Uh, Let's see. Austin Price also has honest question. Do you think the assistant coaches have the same feelings/slash strategies as
0: Akins, or just roll with his ideas? I mean, I'm sure that they have a different mindset to some degree. It's not because that's the whole point, right? Of having assistant coaches is that you have a different perspective to add to whatever the head coach thinks. Um, But we don't know to what degree they clash or don't clash. So. A little unanswerable there, but I would say that I'm sure that they might have some differences. I, I, I yep. don't think that's crazy.
1: Oh, he also asked, "Did uh, are you still
0: deaf in your right ear?" No, I'm. Well, I I actually figured out that it was my headphones and not my computer, thanks to uh, great friend of the show Winterborn. And so, uh, did you buy new headphones? No, these are just ones I already had. Oh, uh, yeah. But so it's uh, it's been a process to get here. Did, but- wait,
1: you reset your you like reset your entire computer? Did a whole, like, diagnostic thing <laughs>
0: to find out it was the headphones. Look, I assume functional hardware. Is that a crazy assumption? <laughs> yeah, I reset all the drivers, like, did everything under the sun that's possible. And as it turned out, it was the headphones. Well, here's the thing, though. In my defense, and I think this actually exonerates me, is that... So, there was no sound coming out of my right headphone, okay? You're, you're with me so far. And so, but when I would change the audio from headphones to speakers, it would have the same issue. It wouldn't come out of the right channel. And so I, because of that, I assumed it wasn't the headphones. So it wasn't just like, I, you know, I was just an idiot and, and I assumed they could not be the headphones at all. Uh, so there was reason. There was reason for this. I'm exonerated. Yes.
1: Fine, uh, Justin P <laughs> 1980, uh, 1988 said, "Have you seen Olin Zellwagger's numbers this year? We talked about him briefly, obviously, and will he play with the Ducks next year? So, have you seen his numbers lately? I looked at them today, actually, because uh, I saw. It. I have not. How good are they, or how bad are they? Uh, they are absolutely insane. Okay, uh, he. I, I think he currently leads the WHL for points by defense points by defenseman. Okay." Uh, uh, let me I'm, see. I'm going on he's, elite prospects, which takes forever. He has over 48, a point per,
0: <laughs> 48 points in 35 games for a.
1: a I, we should make this clear. Not only is he a defenseman, he was barely eligible for this draft.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. He, he he
1: turned <laughs> like he's not even six months removed from turning 18. Yeah, uh, Martin Madden. Martin Madden. Like this is this guy is gonna be great. I don't for that same reason. I think he's gonna have another year in the WHL though. I think because of his age. Yeah,
0: he's just so young.
1: Yeah, like he turns nineteen uh, next September. Like yeah. he's so young. I don't. I mean, maybe they maybe moving a Hampus home
0: opens up the spot for him, but I don't see that being. I mean, I mean, look at it this way though. Look how they've handled uh, Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. So. I mean, and so Austin Zellberger, Price... Zellberger is a left shot. Yeah, and
1: uh, Austin Price, and some people have said this. Are you at all concerned? Are you saying, isn't this what Sam Steele uh, nope. did? Light up the WHL. And so no. Sam, Steele, Sam Steele did light up the WHL. I, I'm just going to say this. In his D-plus-one year, at 131 points in uh, 66 games, but... He also was not in the same uh, situation as Zellweger because he was is a February birthday. It's a little bit different in terms of age. I think that's part of what makes Zellweger so fascinating is his yes. age
0: and what he's able to do. Exactly, it's the age difference. It's <laughs> yeah. I I tweeted about the Sam Steele stats because of Connor Bedard, and people took it as like me saying that Connor Bedard isn't good. No, like it's about the age difference. It's about the fact that zellweger is so young and that he's doing this zellweger Um,
1: with zellweger right now is about or is zellweger from the draft and everything like that is over six months younger yeah than sam that matters he's seven months younger than sam Steele would have been in that same d plus one
0: historically
1: that matters yes so uh it's not the same nope so absolutely impressive though what he's doing i mean why not give him a shot to start the year I yeah. mean I don't know if I would necessarily bank on him being on the team. No,
0: I, I don't I, think that I, I you trade I don't think you trade Lindholm assuming that Zellweger's gonna jump right in, but No. I I mean I think he should play in the NHL next season. Let's just see it. Yeah. See it for see it for the amount of games that you can allow him to and go from there. But do not rush him. a la Drysdale. Yep. All right. It's that time, Felix. <laughs> wait, Lewis how,
1: wait, What does this mean? Lewis asked uh oh let me find again thoughts (laughs) on midway british columbia oh god why midway british columbia this has now become something that people actually like mention in our reviews so i have it to you i have a theory on this by the way wait wait
0: midway I, i have this open now this is like this is on the border so my theory is that ever since we've been doing this, I think people enjoy this because we've been getting more reviews than we've ever been getting. I think people enjoy the shit show portion of the show. There, there is Fritz yeah, Road hiking yeah, and biking. Louis, Louis, this is a. I'll just say this: it's a, it's not our traditional look. It's like you know we go for very northern, uh, very remote. This is remote. I mean, it's certainly not close to anything important. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's right on the border of, of British Columbia and Washington. Technically there's an airstrip. Keg and Kettle Grill though. There's a museum.
1: Kettle River Museum. there's a museum. I think that all that tells you all you need to know. This Wait, is a big, this is yeah, this is a metropolis. This is a big city, Lou. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about
0: here. There's a cheese wheel in the museum. Look, all you need to know all you need to know about this museum is uh, from Haley McCleary. This, actually, this is too long. I'm not going to be able to get through it. <laughs> Let's try this one from Nina Fam. We value these museums, and the $5 admission is worth it in order to help preserve and keep these places running. Mm. It was nice getting to check out the inside of the train as well as the former train station. Wow. I like this. Very informative and enlightening, according to Greg Poirier. Uh, so I guess this is like a train town. Wow. Is, would have is never this, guessed. There's also the King of Kings uh, Church. Is this where Triple H was born? by the way did you like the rock (laughs) at the super bowl uh sure yeah i I thought it was cringeworthy wrestling the rock is the rock is wrestling invasion he's he's it's it's past 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 due um yeah i mean uh midway midway's not doing it for me no if anyone else
1: wants to throw in another uh random city
0: random city go for it but
1: i'm gonna get to the uh take and we'll we'll come back to a different city uh food let me find the the last uh yeah so
0: so just just so people know where jake is getting this from this is our patrons only discord chat which is a lot of fun and we'll get into at the end of the show how you can join it but we have a food channel within the server and uh oh boy there are some takes in there (laughs) That like there are certainly some takes in there i i feel like the last like actual take is yours Jake, you had a you had a good one with the uh, the the chips, the the Hawaiian. Oh yeah, have you never had those before? No, I, I have had them, and that's why I think it's a good take. The Luau barbecue, uh, Hawaiian brand kettle style potato chips. They are they are delicious. Yeah, like, like like too delicious. Sweet and spicy. They're they're perfect. Yeah, you like my take though. My recent take. So yeah, this is the, your take is the last one,
1: Lou. If I you want to throw a take i'm so honored lou if you want to post a take in there mike i see some people in our twitch chat in discord if you want to overtake this and put something new in there so i can kind of (laughs) not have to do this one i think i have a great recent take it's fine i don't know it's weird black (laughs) pepper is a very underrated seasoning (laughs) discuss
0: (laughs) it's just it's just so bad like what but but you like my you like my comment before that though this is my new thing I just update everyone no
1: no 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 no. you you don't update anyone you would say theory or huge (laughs) take and then don't say anything ever so when you say this is my new thing to say here is a take and then say black pepper is a very underrated season is not your normal uh decision
0: I'm I'm dying. No, here's the thing on black pepper though. Cool. Oh, Lou came in. Lou came in. Thank good, good. With an good, awful take. Uh, or with good, a take. Good freshly cracked black pepper. Uh I think maybe it's just cuz I just started using it more, but I think it's it's underrated. Adds a little adds a little heat. It's needed. All right. Louis said Alfredo sauce is the worst. Uh okay, I will say that there's a lot of bad Alfredo out there. A lot of bad uh, Alfredo out there. I'm just not going to comment cuz I never
1: have ordered alfredo sauce.
0: Well, just again for the record, Jake hates avocado, eggs, and um what's the other one? What's the third one? Oh, you're getting out easy <laughs> if I don't remember this. Eggs, avocado, and it's a it's a fat. It's like a Anyway, I'll I'll remember it. But yeah. Jake has some bad food takes. I mean, it, these aren't pe- takes, they're just things I don't like. Pe- people harp harp on me, but uh let it be known.
1: Here's the that thing. Be known. I don't like say they're awful and all these things. I just say I don't like them.
0: You know, it's I, some, I, you can be civil. I mean, I, I don't know. Is that, does that make it any better though? Oh yeah. You don't like fish. Yeah. That's a bad one. I don't think you can defend that one. Okay. I don't know. What? I mean, I don't need to defend anything. it's just how I feel, yeah, but here's the thing though, like that's well and good that you have this kind of like Zen view of it all, but I think that if you're gonna have these opinions about things that most people love, like you should be able to back it up, and instead you're just you're just hand waving it away, and that's disgusting all right i found
1: uh I found one I found a city okay uh blind
0: bay, ooh okay, blind okay. bay. It's in British Columbia, I see. Yes. Oh boy. Where is this? Lakeside
1: Suite and Rentals. Blind Bay Vacation Rentals. This actually looks kinda nice. Yeah, let's see.
0: Oh, we were also told that I guess that place in Nova Scotia is like really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well okay, so Blind Bay. Wow, this is actually kinda nice. There's like a big lake. Uh close to Salmon Arm and Turtle Valley. So this is a this is a, a big area. Um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I want to go here. Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to fight you on that. You can go. I mean, I'm, I'm going street view. I'm going, I'm going in to see. There's a car wash. (laughs) Oh, there's our lady of the lake Catholic church. Yeah. You can go get some prayer in. Um, there's a, there's the Salah retreat bed and breakfast. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. there's Pebble Beach. This is where that golf course is at. Yeah, there's also a Carmel Beach. <laughs> like, are they just copying wow, California? Yeah. Th- thanks for not even selling my bit. Thanks. I don't, I don't get it. Pebble Beach is a well-renowned golf course. Well, yeah, I know. But that's okay. what I'm saying. Like, there's also a Carmel Beach. Oh, got it. You don't even understand your own bit. Uh, <laughs> I like that there's a Finn's Resort f- slash Finn's Bar and Grill, and it's a Finn's with a Z. which My just, kind of know, place. Super edgy, I guess. Four point four out of five though. I'm not I'm not thrilled about that. Uh oh it's oh man. Country life girl coming in strong. A two out of five. Oh lord. And this is just a month ago. I'm gonna read this word for word. Uh, oh, I ate oh the, wow. I ate there twice last summer. The first time the service was excellent, the server was really good, but the food was just average, nothing special and overpriced. The second time, the service was really bad. The girl was snotty (laughs) and rushing us like we were imposing on her. She took a long time to take a drink order, and they tasted like they were watered down. She took so long to give us our drinks that we decided not to order appetizers. So she lost out on another $50 in sales. The $20 burger bun was stale. I can get a a better burger at McDonald's. The server Oh, wow. Oh, God. This is getting bad. The server had light hair and two piercings in her <laughs> chest. Avoid her, avoid her at all costs. Not impressed at all. This is an overpriced tourist trap. The view is the only good thing this place has. I well, just want to say this, this. I just want to say this. Uh, shout out to the server. Services industry is hard. You get you get some bad apples every now and again. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, just be careful if you're going to Finn's resort. There's a there's a little fountain. Yeah. I want to go here. Look at that. Oh,
1: I just realized no one can see my screen. Look at this. Look at this fountain and this lake.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm in. I mean, it's probably not that nice right now, but, you know. Yeah. Is it frozen? No, British Columbia doesn't get that cold, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Do I need to find a city? I feel like you let us down a little bit here. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I'll say it. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Now I feel the pressure though. I don't like this. Uh oh boy. Bay James Quebec. I think it's oh. just a bay. It's just Have a. Have we ever I don't think region. we've ever done uh Quebec. Yeah, what's up with that, huh? <laughs> Blame Louis. Huh? Blame Louis. huh? Yeah, let's go do Matagami. Matagami. Yeah, this is uh <laughs> the the Matagami mine. This is very, very northern. Oh, my. You know, I'm
1: going to go to a place I visited. Uh-huh. Okay. In the U.S. Wow. You're ditching Canada. Just I'm going like to go that. with Bar Harbor because it's a beautiful town, and I enjoyed my time there. What? This is this is anti-everything we've ever
0: stood for with this bit.
1: No, J. Uh, J, J, J Stone, it doesn't have to be. Uh,
0: You know, let's just take a quick little stroll through Bar Harbor because it, it's a little yeah, town. I like this, actually. Wow, yeah. you know i I love the state of Maine. I've only been once, but it's really beautiful. I visited here on my trip. Wow, wow! Thanks for the invite. Yeah, m- must have gotten lost in the mail. Or, or is something. this
1: allowed, Lewis,
0: It's it's uh, it's my podcast. I can figure out what I want to do. Wow, we we've got a good random European city. Apparently, Kosovo. Oh, this is this Kosovo? is just that's gonna... not random. No, the... the city. That's the capital. Well, that's isn't that a country? Isn't Kosovo a country? I don't know. Kosovo is definitely a country. Uh, like it, it's it's a thousand percent a country. Yeah, it's a country. Yeah, that's that's poor form. JJ Sorry. Stone lived there for a year. Really? Yeah. People, what? Okay. Now I now I have questions. But anyway, <laughs> I, we might I to, We yeah. might need to move on here. Yep. Okay. Well. If you've been enjoying this show, we're going to wrap up. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, Jake? No. Nope. Maybe any Super Bowl thoughts. Uh, Nope. I got none. I thought it was a terrible game. Uh, you You're know, just I guess mad. Con- I guess congrats to the Rams for beating a team that didn't deserve to be there. Um, the halftime show was cool, but not the greatest halftime show of all time. And, yeah, that's all I've got to say. So... <laughs> If you've enjoyed uh, what you've heard today, if you've been enjoying our podcast, there's a few ways to support us and uh, they are all very appreciated. The number one way and the one that I think will bring the most benefit to you is to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. And if you pledge a dollar a month, $1, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server, which is just so much fun. It's a thriving community of Ducks fans, of hardcore fans, of people that are just there to have a good time, to bond, uh, to make jokes, to talk about food, to talk about the team, uh, to talk about whatever is popping to their heads. And I got to say, it's, it's just my favorite place to talk about hockey anywhere right now. Um, and the, sorry, Jake, that includes his podcast. Um, so that's for $1 a month. Now, for $5 a month, you get access to the server, but you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. And so uh, that's where Jake and I will go more in depth into league-wide topics, doing uh, rankings, picking our awards winners. It's a lot of fun uh, and it's a little more unfiltered as well. Now, if you really love this show, if you just want to see it continue to grow, continue to thrive, you can do that for $15 a month. We will greatly, greatly appreciate it. But maybe the highlight for today though, an easy way to support us that doesn't include any money for you you needing to spend you can leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts now we've got two today two this is big i'll start with this one uh this one is from jack d and uh this is great love the title it's a five-star review leafs rapids number one podcast great show great analytics always look forward to new episodes p.s the best of each show is always in the last 20 minutes of it so by the way thank you so much jack d that is hilarious Leafs Rapids. Is that the first city that we covered on the no. show?
1: No, 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 no.
0: Okay. Well, I don't, apologies. I don't,
1: I don't remember the first, uh, that was like last episode was Leaf Rapids.
0: Was it? Oh, Leaf Rapids. Why did I say Leafs Rapids? Um, yeah, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad that that's resonating with people, the, the randomness at the end. Uh, and then this review from Zegris is a goat. Uh, the title a five star review says I listen and I still don't fully know why. Here goes the review.
1: Flynn Flon was the first.
0: Yes, that sounds correct. I'm not fully convinced either of the guys know very much about hockey. Okay. But something keeps, coming, keeps me coming back every week. Things go off the rails quite frequently. One host hates eggs. The other hates Swedish hockey players. So, uh, IDK, five out of five. I'll listen again, and I won't know why. Well... Seagrass is a goat. Uh, I know that Jake hates uh, hockey player, Swedish hockey players, but we're trying here. <laughs> you hate eggs? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just saying, like, we're, we're trying here. We're trying here. Jake doesn't like the Swedes and doesn't like eggs. It's hard. I get it. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, it just gives us a good laugh, if nothing else. So if you want to leave us a rating and a review, we will absolutely read it on the show. Just search Crash the Pond" on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. Leave us a rating there. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the Pond. You get the video version of the show. Make sure to subscribe there and turn on your notifications. Check out our website, crashthepawn.com. Uh, if you want some merch, if you want some hoodies, t-shirts with our beautiful logo, crashthepawn.com slash shop at Crash the Pond on Twitter and on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames91, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day, and we'll talk to you in a week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye!